comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. Aztec fans, what is up? This is the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I'm running solo today. Uh, there's no there's no Kyle, but hopefully we can get Kyle back for next week's show. Let's get the obligatory stuff out of the way right off the bat before I forget. If you don't already... Follow the show, leave those nice comments, leave those five-star reviews. Uh, you can find me on social media at Aztec Breakdown, as well as on TikTok and on Instagram at Aztec Breakdown. So make sure to do all of that stuff. The pod is back after a, a holiday break hiatus. The plan was to have at least one show between either myself or Kyle and just the way things worked out didn't didn't happen that way but the pod is back and let's get right into it first off the only real important news i think is just that the game on wednesday night so probably tonight for a lot of you that are listening against fresno state has been postponed if you didn't hear already no game against fresno state on wednesday and they they say postponed honestly i am I'm hesitant to believe that pretty much any of these games will be made up for. Last season, the Mountain West was able to make up games because they had a week in between when their season ended and the conference tournament. And that was the week where, like, beforehand, there were supposed to be four teams that were thought that could make the uh, the big dance. And then they made up those games and Boise State lost, and maybe Colorado State lost a game too, and it kind of it kind of knocked them out of out of contention there. And so that was like, why is the Mountain West playing these games? They actually hurt themselves trying to make these games up. This year, honestly, it seems like it's a lot more games getting canceled than it's early, and it's it's right here around the holiday time, and there's a lot of travel happening, and so it makes sense that it would happen and hopefully it kind of cools down as, as kids return to campus. Although with college kids, you know, they're going to want to socialize and do stuff anyway. So we'll see, but I am hesitant to believe that these games will get made up. Maybe a few of them do. Uh, the, the, for example, I believe it was the Colorado state series last season had originally been postponed. And then another, game got postponed and they were able to fit in Colorado state at that time. So like things can happen. Sure. But it just feels like the mountain West is being very reactive in terms of responding to this, this pandemic, as opposed to proactive in trying to find ways to like, well, this game can't be played right now. Can we fit in another game right now on, on last minute? And there would be issues with that too. And both from the team's perspective, right? If they've been practicing for a couple days for one team and then they find out with 24 or 48 hour notice that it's going to be a new team, they might not like that very much as well as the TV partners might have some issues with, with changing these games up last minute like that. I, I don't know. 
but I just, I, I don't know. It's going to be a wild ride and especially probably for this first month of January or so in terms of the conference season. And we're probably going to see a lot of games get postponed. Now, hopefully we don't see too many Aztecs games getting postponed, but we'll see, you know, it's already one. The Fresno state being lost is, is already one game that that's postponed. And it, you know, if, if for those that care, probably just straight up canceled. The other news actually that came by related to this is that these games, if they don't get made up, are counted as no contest as opposed to forfeits. The conference kind of came out and said something along the lines of the point of making the games forfeits last year for purposes of tournament seeding was supposed to be like an encouragement for teams to get vaccinated basically right uh, and this year everybody's vaccinated and everybody's boosted i say everybody generally but you know within within the teams and within the conference the important people are all vaccinated and probably all boosted but this new omicron variant can spread despite that right and and luckily if you're vaccinated and you're boosted, you're probably not going to get too sick, which is what we're seeing a lot of, right? We're seeing a lot of, of players that are asymptomatic, but then they test and it's positive. And so, you know, the teams end up having to, to cancel. And I would say it's, it's better to be safe in that regard, but that is the reasoning for switching it to a no contest as opposed to a forfeit. So there's that, I guess the last little scrap of news I don't think we had talked about this on the last show, but Jordan Shackle got called up to the NBA uh, just very briefly, just on a, on a 10 day contract that he got through a hardship waiver. Because if you don't follow the NBA, all the teams basically had so many players out with COVID, but they still wanted to play the game. So they were just, the NBA was just letting teams call up anybody basically (laughs) up to their teams. That way they had enough guys to field a full team. And so Jordan Shackle is one of those guys who was able to be called up just 10 day contract. I think he played in three games, uh, took six shots, missed all of them, had a couple of rebounds between the three games. So didn't play super well, but still it was exciting and very happy for him that he was able to even just get that shot. And he's been killing it in the G league. So hopefully he'll get another shot somewhere with a team that needs a shooter, but that does it for the, the updates. The main topic of discussion that I want to go over today is that I happen to think the team is on an upward trajectory. I feel like there's a lot of little things that are happening that just show that the team is improving and getting better. And let's start with the defense, which is currently ranked sixth in the nation in Ken Palm as I'm recording this, which is elite, elite. Right, that's as we've been saying all year, it's the type of defense that will keep this team in games against pretty much anyone. Right. We saw we saw going back to that first half against Michigan, like Michigan was lighting it up and the Essex were still able to kind of keep pace with them and and just the defense is good, right? Is 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 great, is elite, and will be able to help the Aztecs 
hang around and just just make things ugly and make things tough and they'll win a lot of games that way so that's for starters right it's just that the defense has been great the offense i think i think personally has been has been getting better and some of it has been players learning their roles a little bit better some of it has been just shots falling right adam seiko had that crazy run where he hit 10 threes in a row over the course of three games he i believe is the current leading shooter, or maybe he's second place behind Butler, but he's shooting over 40% on the year now, right? As opposed to when he started out shooting like 27% over the first four or five games or so. So Adam Seiko's hitting shots. Chad Baker is starting to hit shots. Mad Bradley's percentages are slowly climbing up. Shots are starting to fall. Guys are getting more comfortable. And the thing that might be the most encouraging to me, honestly, is that the last five games have been played without Lamont Butler, and this improvement has still happened. And Kyle and I, in past shows, we talked about how important Lamont Butler was and how we, we kind of described what we thought might happen with Lamont Butler having to sit out. And in the meantime, the Aztecs have gone 4-1 and one without Lamont Butler in the lineup, and that one was that game against Michigan. And so it just... It, it should, what it should indicate, what I'm hoping it indicates is that when Butler does eventually come back, the team will be even better because he's one of the most talented players on the team, at least, at least in my opinion. Um, and he provides a skill set that is pretty unique and, and not really anybody else has, right? Trey Pulliam can handle the ball like Lamont Butler can. So there's that, but Trey Pulliam isn't as aggressive as Lamont Butler, in my opinion, and so Butler will be, or not just will be, but is, to me, a better player at like breaking down a defense. And so that's something that he can do, and there aren't very many other players on the team that can do it, especially not consistently. And to top it all off, against UNLV, the Aztecs won despite not having Butler or Pulliam. And I'll be honest. I was on a plane for that for that game. The plane took off right about at the time that the game was starting, which was a bummer in and of itself. And then on top of that, the plane didn't have Wi-Fi or, or anything like that, so I couldn't listen in. I couldn't watch. So I didn't get to see the game. I've seen some highlights since then, but like I was sitting in the airport as the plane was delayed, and I was seeing all these updates come in, and it was Pulliam isn't going to play, but Butler should play. And then later it was like, oh, Butler's not playing. And I was like, shoot, like this team without any point guards – they're probably going to lose this game. You know, I was having Michigan flashbacks, but even worse. And granted, UNLV isn't Michigan, but they're they're a good team. They're at least an average team, right? And college basketball is so point guard driven that I was I was concerned. I'm not going to lie. And then the Aztecs pulled it out, and and some of that sure is because UNLV didn't really have the. Uh, the ability to press very much on defense. Had they done that, it might have helped them. And their coach just said that they didn't practice it, so they weren't going to just start to do it in a game without practicing it. So the matchup was was favorable for game to not have any point guards. But on top of that, like Chad Baker came in, played a very efficient game. Matt Bradley kind of did what he does, where you know he's like a volume scorer who's not super efficient but does enough. So, you know, enough was able to happen. And then Keisha Johnson was just a monster on the boards and a rope too. So 
the Aztecs were able to do enough to get that win. And if they can score that well without either of their point guards, it seems like they should be able to score even more and more efficiently as Pulliam comes back and as Butler comes back. It just, it feels to be, I, I feel a sense of optimism about this team, I guess is the main point in that the team is heading in the right direction. It's the classic Brian Dutcher move of, you know, you start off the season and you're good. And as the season goes on, you get better and better and you're playing your best ball at the end of the year. I feel like that is what we are seeing right now. Speaking of Keyshawn Johnson, I forgot to mention just in the news and update section at the beginning of the show that Keyshawn Johnson won the Mountain West Player of the Week for, for basketball. He won that award. So congrats to Kashad. He earned it, in my opinion. He has been great this season, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing him the rest of the season and going into next season, honestly. He's, he's, a fun, he's a fun kid to watch. Awkwardly transitioning from that, one of the things I am worried about a little bit is Matt Bradley. And here's what I mean by that. Right. We had talked in, in either a show or two ago, like, is Matt Bradley a locker room cancer? Does he hurt the team? And I think Kyle and I were both kind of of the opinion that it's it's not that bad, right? And that there's just some frustrations because he was supposed to be one thing and he hasn't lived up to that billing yet, which is which is frustrating. One thing I am concerned about is that this might just be the Matt Bradley that we get right is is that he might just be on this team at least right with just this one year not having you know malachi flynn had a year to sit out and learn the system and stuff so that way when he did start he was comfortable matt bradley doesn't have that he's just he's just coming on in and we're hoping for the best and so you know with those circumstances and everything this might just be it he might be a guy that will average sure somewhere between 13 and 15 points a game uh, mostly on, on volume though. Right. And he'll be probably about average efficiency, but nowhere near the hyper efficient player. He was a cow. And so that's, you know, he had at UNLV, he scored 17 points. I believe it was on 18 shots, which my general rule is that if a player has less points than they have shot attempts, it's not a great offensive game. And obviously there are all sorts of examples that may refute that, right? Uh, if, if a player gets a lot of assist or a lot of offensive rebounds or, you know, impacts the game in other ways, but just in general, especially if it's that many shot attempts, right? 18, that's going to lead the team most nights. And so scoring only those 17 points on 18 shot attempts isn't isn't great and on top of that like he's a player who can create his own shot so having no polium having no butler shouldn't affect him and his efficiency as much as it should affect other guys and yet it's just not there right so about about average efficiency most nights occasionally we'll have a game where he is efficient absolutely other nights we'll have a game where he's just not it seems like this is it. And if that's the case, it seriously limits the Aztec ceiling because he's supposed to be the guy, 
right? He's supposed to be the number one scorer and the guy to do it efficiently and the guy the offense kind of runs around. And if that guy is just average offensively in terms in terms of efficiency, it 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 limits your offense, right? It's been the problem I've had with guys like Bryce Hamilton who have a lot of talent but they just don't have the efficiency to back up the amount of shots they're taking in it. And it hinders the offense. Matt Bradley is turning out to be kind of like that a little bit. And, and once again, as, as Pulliam and especially as Butler come back, maybe, maybe that helps. Like I had just said in, in the previous topic, but this might be it. And I also, also do want to note that around this time last year, maybe a little bit later into the year, but around this time, a lot of fans were clamoring to bench Trey Pulliam in favor of Lamont Butler. And, and I will admit I, I did join that. I was a little bit hesitant to do it. And my reasoning I think was slightly different, but I did, I did join in. And then Trey Pulliam, you know, the coaches stuck with him, let him get his groove and he had some personal stuff going on too that he was able to finally kind of get handled. And then in the Mountain West tournament, he he was on fire, right? He played excellently. So I say this about Matt Bradley knowing full well that we had a somewhat similar situation with Trey Pulliam last year and that it turned out really well, right? And And I know Kyle in the past has said that you just have to ride Matt Bradley and give him those shots and let him struggle and hopefully he will kind of uh not fail upwards but you know be able to learn from those failures and when the time is most important be the guy that you need so hopefully that happens but my concern right now is that just this is this is what he is for this team and we'll need some other guys to step up if they want to really make some noise in this conference that is a lot better than it has been the past few years. Next, I wanted to give a shout out and, you know, a formal on air, for lack of a better word, on on the record apology to Agueca Rope. Because here's the thing. I seriously, I think, undervalued what a rope does bring to the floor, right? When I, when I was looking at a rope, especially over the off season, he's a guy who his best ideal role, that's, that's redundant. His best role is at a small ball five, right? Because he's not very skilled offensively and he has the defensive versatility to match up with just about anyone for at least short amounts of time. And the Aztecs tend to play him in that power forward role where often he's parked in the corner offensively and that's not a good role for him to be in. And knowing that that was going to happen this year, I was like, if that's the, like, if that's how you're going to use him offensively, just don't play him that much. Cause that's going to really hurt the offense. And especially on a team that even in the off season felt like it was going to lack shooting, especially compared to previous years. And I mean, I think that is all that that is all still true, right? A rope isn't a guy you're going to trust to hit those shots from the corner. If that's what he's being asked to do, it's hurting the offense. That is all still true. However, 
what I did was I undervalued his contributions defensively, being able to guard one through five, being able to switch, being disruptive, getting his hand into into passing lanes and, and picking guys' pockets and stuff, and rebounding as well, right? Uh, both defensively and offensively. And he has just shown a lot this season. And he's done the stuff that isn't super flashy. It's kind of dirty. It's it's very much the, the blue-collar work on the team. But it has been valuable. And especially there was a number of, of putbacks and steals and fast-break opportunities that were generated by a Gweka Rope in this last game against UNLV. And without those opportunities, the Aztecs probably don't win, right? It was an ugly game. It was it was down and, and gritty in a defensive struggle. But guys like a rope were able to make it work in that in that regard. So he's been he's been big time player. And I I think I undersold those those contributions and I didn't I didn't value them enough in my analysis of the team. And you know, it's one of those things I, I always like to say, like I tend to give the coaches the benefit of the doubt. They've been doing this for for a long time. That doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that they are infallible, but this is one of those times that, you know, I, I was there and I was like, you can't you can't play rope. He's gonna hurt the offense too much, but what he gives on defense outweighs the any any negative impact on offense. And the coaches saw that and he's playing and he's playing well. So to, to a Gweka rope, that was, that was my bad. I'm sorry. And I will value you appropriately from now on. Lastly, I wanted to go over kind of the, the March madness situation here, how it's looking for the Aztecs, right? In terms of an at-large bid, and it is still early. There's still plenty of time for stuff to change, but I just feel like there's, there's this habit on social media of Aztec fans and sometimes myself included to just like, if something isn't perfect, then it is conference tournament or bust, right? Like the first game you lose during the off season is like, Oh, well now it's, it's three games in March is all that matters. And that's, that's not the case. And in past years, it might've been in past years when the conference was bad, it might have been the case, absolutely, right? We all remember, I think it was the 2016 team where they went 16-2 and two in conference and lost in the Mountain West Tournament Championship and ended up in, in the NIT, right? So I, I get it. I, I also point out that that team lost at home to the University of San Diego, and I think they lost one other bad game too, maybe like a Grand Canyon or something when they weren't good. So it's not the same. And this year's conference is much better than, than that year's conference was, right? I think they had had like one game against the top 100 Ken Palm opponent. And it was like Boise State at 90 or something like that. So, or maybe it was two games, one, one win. And it was Boise State at 90 or something like that. So like there wasn't any way to make up for a bad loss in the offseason with good wins in the conference. And this year, there will be those chances, or at least there should be. And and COVID might be playing havoc with that. But 
as it stands right now, there, there are two places I tend to look at when I'm looking at these things. The first one, the one that, that makes the most sense is just bracketmatrix.com. And what they do is they find a bunch of, uh, brackets online and they tabulate them up and they kind of spit out like this is the average, right? The Aztecs on bracket matrix right now, uh, are a 12 seed and bracket matrix has currently 35 brackets that they have looked at and, and done their stuff with. And the Aztecs have showed up in 25 of them, which is solid. It's not great. You'd probably want to see out of 35, probably at least 30 just to be more like secure and safe with that. But right now, bracket matrix has them as a 12 seed. And so they're, they're there, right? They're probably one of the last four teams in, but they're, they're there. They are in the tournament according to bracket matrix at least. Right. And like I said, these things can change. A lot can happen between now and then, you know, a win at Wyoming boost San Diego state up. Cause that's a quad one win on the road right now. A loss at home, especially to like air force. It's going to bring the Aztecs down and, and probably knock them out. Right. So a lot of stuff can still happen. The second place I like to look at is masseyratings.com. Now this isn't, this isn't a bracketology thing, but it does the same type of, uh, it's, it's the same type of composite deal, right? And so what they do is rather than taking uh, brackets, like projected brackets, they take rankings from a bunch of different places. So you think Ken Palm, right? You think uh, Torvik, you think uh, DPI, Sagarin, all these different ratings things. And if you don't know of all those, that's fine. You don't need to, but just all these places that, that rate teams, from one to 356 or whatever it is. And it takes the average of those and then spits out where the team is. San Diego state is currently 44th on Massey ratings out of the 41 rankings that were surveyed. So once again, not, not a, a small sample, right? These are 41 different, whether it's computer systems or whether it's people, whatever the case may be, it's 41 different things that, that were surveyed to come up with this. And the Essex are 44th. Now, generally speaking, uh, at least in my opinion, a good rule of thumb is you want to be in the top 40 teams in order to get an at-large spot. There's, there's uh, 36 at-large spots, I want to say. So if you're in the top 40, your chances are pretty good. The Aztecs are at 44, so they would be right there on the edge. They'd be right on the outside, right? Probably in the NIT with like a one or a two seed type thing. But that's where they are. And so that's just a snapshot. And we will, you know, keep looking at these. And I'm sure I'll post them on Twitter. We might have a little check-in each, each, not each pod, but maybe in a couple pods we'll have another check-in again, just seeing how the Aztecs look. But that is where they are at right now. They're basically in short, they're firmly on the bubble and they have a lot of room to improve. And if, if, like I said earlier in the show, if, if they are really trending up as I think they are, it will bode well. That does it for this one. Aztec fans, 
and we will catch you next time.